Good afternoon. Welcome to the weekly edition of The Wrap. I'm Laura Leslie, WRL Capital Bureau Chief. And I'm Travis Fain, WRL State Government Reporter. And I, and I am, we're standing right here because I just finished a live shot in front of the Democratic headquarters. They held a press conference today to respond to the fact that President Donald Trump is coming to Selma tomorrow to do a rally for his candidates. Right. Uh, namely, Ted Budd, um, most namely, I should say, although... He'll be rallying for Republicans in general. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest name there. Uh, uh, although Madison Cawthorn also has a Trump endorsement. Bo Hines. Bo Hines has a Trump endorsement. And added this week, yeah, Greg Murphy. Um, I mean, that's no surprise. An incumbent Republican r- yeah. running for re-election. Who knows what the president might say from the stage about others? You never, you just, you just never know. I guarantee you, people will be in his ear up until he just says, "Get away from me," <laughs> because everybody wants that Trump endorsement. Everybody except McCrory. Well, I, I mean, did, which is good. Did, he ain't gonna get it, so it's good that he, if he doesn't Vir- want it, making a virtue of necessity, I suppose. But, uh, but no, he. Um, we spoke to him today, actually, and we'll be covering that a little bit more online and later. But uh, he called uh, Bud and Cawthorn embarrassments. Uh, yeah, to which, the state, to the party, to the country. I said, well, okay. Which is similar from what you've heard from uh, Senator Richard Burr and Senator Tom Tillis, and a few other Republicans, but which has really ramped up recently, part of which is probably because we're coming up on a primary. I don't think they called Ted Budd those things. Well, they, they're they not running against Ted Budd, to right, be fair. Okay. So, I, you know, they, he's got the Cawthorn taint on him a little bit at this point. Uh, I suppose, the, although, to be fair, I mean, he has worked hard to distance himself from some of the more controversial stuff that Cawthorn has done, so let's at least give him that. Yeah, yeah, but McCory, obviously, all right, they're both going to be on the stage with the president. Let's lump them together. And in the meantime, Bo Hines also was the topic of uh, a little bit of controversy this week in Johnson County. Uh, Johnson County Men's GOP, is it? Yeah, that's the group. They ran uh, ads in some newspapers. I'm not sure how many, but it was a big ad, and it basically said, Mr. Trump, welcome to... We to support North- you. We helped you get elected. We don't want this guy. We love you here. Don't, don't, uh, don't keep supporting Bo Hines, primarily because he does not live or has not lived. In, I mean, maybe he's moved in the last few weeks. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, he has been living in Winston-Salem, and he was district shopping for a while. He wants to run for Congress in North Carolina. Yes. Uh, and then they kept moving the district lines, and he ended up running uh, in, in the 13th. Uh, and the folks down in Johnson County, Harnett, uh, Wayne County are not, you know. They... There's certainly not a shortage of candidates down there. I right. mean, you've got Renee Elmer's down there. Right. You've got, um, you've got Bo Hines. You've got, um, you've got Chad Slotta, who picked right. up an endorsement this week from the NC Values Coalition. Uh, is Kent... Kent Kersey, I think. He, he, he sent out an ad this week where he said... He's, he's on the air, actually. I mean, among other things, he said the economy is in shambles. And I looked around, I was like, well, damn, I didn't, you know. <laughs> it looks all right, except for the gas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. gas prices, I understand we got inflation, but uh, I did not know shambles were in play. Um, but so, yeah, quite a field down there. And uh, the, the idea of, you know, someone trying to come in and Bigfoot for, for, for a guy from out of district didn't go over well. Probably the fact that he's 26... And running for his first office probably didn't help either. So. Yeah, it, it does, his, his ties to the district are definitely tenuous. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but anyway, he did go to NC State for a year. So that's, you know, so yeah. that's sort of, because Wake County is in that district to some extent. Southern Wake County, yeah. yeah. Uh, so other stuff that happened this week, we should mention um, at an oversight meeting on Tuesday, we learned that um, there is uh, quite a bit of money left over, pandemic relief money left over that has not been claimed. So... Uh, so, and that's across the board. I mean, you wrote about, I think, businesses that haven't claimed right. it. And it, so, I mean, go get your money if, if you still need it. There's right. the mortgage relief. You um, still have to qualify for it. But there's two programs I talked about. One was the business relief grants. And so those, they did phase one, but a lot of people were not eligible for phase one if they'd gotten other right. help, right? 
um, they're getting rid of that requirement in phase two. So phase two is going to roll out in May. So if you're a business and you're told you weren't eligible last time, get ready to submit your application because there are more than $100 million left in that one. And then there's also um, the homeowner's mortgage assistance. There's a lot of money left in that one as well. Um, they are still accepting applications right now, but it looks like they've got well over $100 million left uh, for that as well. And the mortgage assistance program specifically took a long time to get ramped up. You know, Congress authorizes these quote-unquote emergency programs and then the Treasury has to write rules, and then the state has to work with the Treasury. And yeah. There's an outside entity that does the, 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 the mortgage stuff, um, but it's still there. Fortunately for a lot of those folks, um, a lot of them were probably under moratoriums for foreclosures for a long time. So, yeah, a lot of mortgage forbearance. Yeah, forbearances, but that's what's going away, and so uh, the person who's in charge of that program was explaining that this is probably the time that they're going to need it the most because this is when those foreclosures or those delinquencies are really beginning to be acted upon by lenders. And of course, those are grants that, they, or I don't know how it's structured. Well, actually, it goes to the lender. Okay. It doesn't go to you. So. But what I'm getting at is, you know, the government has a lot of money left too. I look today, uh, just school, just schools. They were given something like 5.8 billion in North Carolina. They've spent 1.9 billion to date, so 4 billion left. Now there's reasons for that. One of them being they're going to spend a lot of that money on, you know, to try to cure lost learning, uh, uh -huh. and you don't really know where what you need to target be, until right. maybe the end of the school year. So I mean, it's all part of the plan. But you know, don't let anybody tell you there there there, there wasn't enough pandemic relief money. Well, and, and it's interesting because that sort of reared its head this week at the school board meeting, the state school board, because they were talking about things that they want to spend money on. Um, and they were talking about asking money, asking the legislative, coming up this legislative session, things to ask for. Um, and they've not decided to do that yet, partly because of the fact that they have that money left from COVID. And they don't know what kind of reception any kind of ask is going to get. But they are looking for extra money for school buses and diesel because apparently we all know what happened to gas prices. Well, diesel still sky high and and you know school districts are having to pay for that out of pocket and then um also um more than four million dollars to establish an internship program for school psychologists and this is really interesting right my colleague emily walkenhorse had written quite a bit about this and i did not realize this but north carolina only produces like 50 percent of the school psychologists not even that we actually need in this state so what they want to do is try to see if they can um create these paid internships because everybody who becomes a school psychologist has to take an internship at some point. And so if they could bring them into North Carolina, the thinking is that they could get them to stay here after their internship is over, at least for a little while. Yeah, and I think they would be in the schools during the internship as right, well, so right. helping kids. It's really an interesting idea, like four and a half million bucks. And I mean, this is something, school psychiatrists or psychologists, I'm sorry, I get those. Psychologists. Hey, that's something they wanted to ramp up in schools, mental health, a better focus on yeah, mental health actually, in schools for a while. they actually put out like $34 million right. last year to give every, <coughs> excuse me, cop college, to give every school district a psychologist, and then they weren't able to hire them. Because yeah, there just aren't enough of them. And I mean, I, I think I read that the money has only been available so long, so I mean, we're, we're, we're months into it. But this, this pipeline issue is clearly... Long term. That's the, that's the hurdle. And so now they're talking about ways, an interesting way to yeah. get over the hurdle. Um... Well, let's see. Um, I'll talk quickly about my Medicaid yeah. story that no one read this week. Um, $650 million. It's part of a part of the waiver, the, the, the Medicaid transition to managed care. One of the things they want to do is they want to take Medicaid money, normally just used for doctor's <clears throat> visits. You can use it for transportation to a doctor's visit. But if you wanted to get, say, transportation to a gym or to a farmer's market, Medicaid won't pay for that. Except in North Carolina... 
in this pilot program. Now it will. Through this pilot program, it's available in three parts of the state, two parts of eastern North Carolina, and then much of the west. And they're also getting healthy fruits and vegetables to people. They're reimbursing you for that money that you spend there and, and just generally trying to focus on wellness outside the doctor's office. Like I said, $650 million. It took like three years to get off the ground. Of course, there was a pandemic in there. There was a state budget Fair fight enough. where they didn't get, you know, they, they couldn't move forward with transformation. Um, but so far, they've spent $27 million and they have fed 10 people. So, well, a lot of that was capacity building. Capacity building. It's not $27 million that, well, now we have to spend another $27 You've spent the $27 million. You've got what you get for $27 million. You've got, your, you've got million. your pathways set up now. There is a ton of tracking that they're doing, and, and, and that really is what they're spending a lot of money on. Plus, like all these little entities that are involved, all these community organizations. They have to get on board. They have to, yeah. they got to be able to bill Medicaid. Which, right. Which, not, I mean, not every corner store can bill Medicaid. Go talk to your doctor about billing Medicaid. What a just treat. Yeah. That is for them. I mean, it's a really interesting pilot program, I think. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, the feds absolutely. Are very it's all over the country. Right, the feds are interested in it too, but the idea is that it has to do with social determinants of health as well as just health. Right. So, you know, exercise, food, the kind of things that, uh, or housing security, right? I mean, the things that don't seem like health issues to you, but um, it's hard to remember to eat well and take care of your diabetes if you're sleeping on somebody else's couch. That's so, right. Yeah. That's exactly it. So. Uh, mention real quickly, uh, go back to politics for a second. Sure. Erica Smith out in, is it the first congressional? Yep. In the first congressional district. She got an endorsement from Elizabeth Warren that got announced today. And Smith has announced quite a few endorsements. Yeah. Um, and we're not really hearing a lot from Don Davis or competition in that race. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not exceedingly active out in eastern North Carolina, just not telling us about it. Uh, but that... Uh, that, that Warren endorsement kind of a big deal, it seemed like to me. Yeah, you know, the, the endorsement thing is kind of a, it's a strategy, and not everybody follows that strategy. I mean, you know, you look at what's happening in, um, you know, the um, NC4 race, because you've got uh, Nita Alam, and you've got Valerie Fushi, and you've got Clay Aiken, along with some other folks. You know, we've got Nita Alam talking more about the endorsements. We don't hear a whole lot from Valerie Fushi, but mm -hmm. she's out there doing her own retail campaigning. Yeah, so. yeah, certainly would expect her to be the front runner. Yeah. But, hey, what do we know? We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, in the Senate race, uh, the Republicans had Ted Budd pulling away based on the polling. I mean, well, based on the polling, well, we've seen three polls this week, or two, two polls. Uh, one was from a Republican firm, and the other one is from, I don't know about, much about Emerson, but it is rated, so I think it's it's reasonable. Eight. No, it was three because there's Cigna. And, and it, ain't, it ain't that close. It's three polls, and, yeah. and he, he, he seems to be pulling away. Yeah. So, you know, we, we'll see. But they, 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 also, no debates in this Republican primary, I guess? Yeah, we were going to have a debate. We were trying very hard to have a debate next week. We had um, the people. We had McCrory, Eastman, and um, Walker set up to come. And we have not been able to get the Bud campaign to say yes. And I don't know of a single debate that Bud he's has participated to. in. So he's clearly, that's the strategy. And I guess... I guess Republicans are okay with that because he's leading in the polling. Um, so, I don't know what to do with that. Well, I'm just going to say as a reporter that I don't like candidates who don't answer questions. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. great to run an air war, which is really basically what he's doing, right? Right. And he's doing it with, the, with a lot of outside assistance as well. But, yeah. but the, the ability to sit down and ask questions and get answers and, you know... We haven't had that this session, so I, you know this this election so far. While we're talking about that race, uh, Mark Walker, a, a Walker-affiliated super PAC, it's called Oh, what is it? Aware Carolina, and it, it's been around for a few years. Aware? Aware, aware, oh, aware, Carolina. aware Carolina. It's been around a few years, hasn't been super active, but they sent out a text today 
looks like it's part of a digital push that they're putting some money into. They're, <laughs> they're accusing Ted Budd, of all things, of acknowledging that Joe Biden is the legitimately elected president of the United States. Um, and they've got a little graphic of Biden and uh, Ted Budd photoshopped together, and it's uh, called Biden's Buddy. So Ted Budd as Biden's Buddy. I wonder, seriously, whether this primary is going to push folks so, so far to the right that they're going to be unelectable. Yeah, it's a reasonable question, and I think that's the argument that if Pat McCrory is not making it out loud, that's the subtext of his argument is that he's more electable, although I have seen some polling that indicates he's less electable. He does that does does poorly in the against against uh, Beasley. Yeah. In the, in the, so I, I I don't know, I don't but know. I don't know. The idea that Ted Budd is Biden's buddy is one of the sillier things you'll hear uh, this political and season. Wanna, I hope I hope that I hope we, that, hope, that, we hope we yeah. hope, uh, and we want to give a special shout out to NC Health News this week and Taylor Knopf, who did some fantastic reporting on opioid treatment programs and the the the, the problems that they're riddled with in North Carolina? And she had some really okay. So what really fascinated me was the appearance of Robin Hayes. <laughs> Former GOP chairman who he pled guilty to lying to the FBI to in the a FBI. bribery scheme. Right. So and so he wants to start a program called Bridge to One Hundred with faith-based groups doing uh, drug recovery in a hundred counties, and he's planning on teaming up with a guy who's in jail now for a Ponzi scheme. Yes, currently in a federal prison for a Ponzi scheme, and the idea is he'll be like a consultant connecting these groups to the hundred counties in North Carolina. All of whom are going to get some of this opioid settlement money. How was the opioid settlement? Sending it seven hundred and fifty million. It's I think, a lot of money. It's a lot Carolina, of money. To North Carolina, and some of it will flow through the state, but some of it, lots of it, will flow through the county. So he wants to be the consultant who connects the people who want to do the opioid treatment programs to the each county commission, and I'm sure he would take a commission of it. Uh, it's called Bridge to One Hundred. I would note that. So the bridge is to to the one hundred. The bridge is to the counties, right? Right. Yeah. So it's a bridge to money. That's yeah. what that is. It's a bridge to money. Yeah. Um, I, I will note that um, also in that very good piece, um, Taylor Knapp, and she did, she teamed up, I think, with the Kaiser Health News reporter on this as well. So props to them as well. But they did look at some of the more problematic aspects of some of these drug treatment programs, including required work, um, which can be, frankly, um, kind of ex- well. I would call it exploitative, but I mean, well, it has, in some places it has been. I had a friend who had a son go through one of those. It was ridiculous, but I mean, they worked them, you know, fourteen or fifteen hours a day. So yeah, and I don't think you're always paid. No, for you're that, not paid for that work. You're not paid. And, and yeah. also talking about, you know, whether or not some of these groups don't allow like methadone yeah, or some and that's, of the come down drugs. That's the big one because right now, the, most of the medical community is really coalescing behind the idea that using a couple of these medical interventions for opioid addiction is really safer for the person undergoing treatment. Um, it helps to prevent relapses. It's, you know, the least harm method. But a lot of these places, especially the faith-based ones, are very anti-come-down medication, very medication, medical interventions. So it's really going to be interesting to see how the state decides to, to treat those you know, do they do they treat them the same as the ones that follow medical advice? Do they all get the same money? I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and it's going to be at least partly a county-by-county county decision, obviously. I so think so. That's all I got. That's all I got, too. Of course, we'll be watching the big Trump rally tomorrow. We never like, as we say, you never know what the guy's going to say. That's you truth. never know. But um, working on some uh, election preview stories, hopefully coming to you next week, looking at some of the key races around here. Um, and so we hope you'll join us next week, and we'll talk about them here on The Wrap.